Welcome back to another episode of the Kettleman You podcast. Today, I had the opportunity to sit down with Eric and to chat about what he sees from the auction block as an auctioneer in sale barns and other avenues. It was a great Q&A session, and I really think that it's interesting to see the trends from his eyes. So not just from the buyer eyes, which I provide, but from the auctioneer's eyes and what he's seeing out back and how he talks to people about consigning cattle to sales and getting numbers up. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Eric does an incredible job for the industry, and I found a lot of valuable insight here. Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. Thank you guys for joining us. I think this topic is really important. And so I was excited to invite Eric to have a conversation today. And again, it's pretty low key. So if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask them in the chat. The big thing that I see in this conversation is I think we're going to offer two really unique perspectives. So I sit in the sale barn as a buyer every week, um, and he really gets the opportunity to see the other side and to talk to producers, which is not something I get right as a buyer. And so a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I make my cattle more valuable when I come to the sale barn? And I just think that there are some things, there's some timing things, there's some opportunity. And again, it's a relationship. And so I'm just Really excited to bring Eric today to have that conversation about when you take your cattle to the sale barn, how do you make sure that you take home the most amount of money possible for that day? And again, it's a sale barn, right? But there are things you can do that add some value to your cattle. So Eric, do you want to introduce yourself and give a little bit about your background? Okay. Glad to be here, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. My name is Eric Dries. I'm uh, assistant manager and lead auctioneer at Seven Rivers Livestock Commission down here in Emmett, Idaho, which is uh, not very far from where I live. And I also travel to uh, Loma, Colorado on Mondays and sell at Loma Livestock LLC. And then in the fall of the year, which is where I became acquainted with Carolyn, uh, I travel to uh, Ramsey, Montana on Fridays and sell at Montana Livestock Auction. So I'm primarily an auctioneer. I primarily in feeder cattle. I also uh, work a good number of purebred sales throughout the West. And I also grow and feed and, and trade cattle on my own. So Perfect. So to give you an idea between the two of us in the fall, we're sitting in eight to 10 sale barns a week. So we're seeing a lot of different cattle sell in a lot of different states. Um, I think probably four states between the two of us, maybe five yep. states, lots of miles, lots of cattle Lots of cheating is what I like to say, all include. So let's just start out a little bit. When someone is looking to bring their calves to the barn, let's start on calves. What are some things that can help you as a manager or as an auctioneer 
make sure that you have all the details that you can share to buyers? Well, what I like to do uh, when I'm soliciting cattle for our market here at home, I really have no control of it at the other uh, sales that I do where I'm just simply the auctioneer. But what I do for our market, I like to uh, establish uh, some contact and uh, form a relationship with that producer. If possible, I travel out to his farm or ranch. I video the cattle. I learn everything that I can about uh, the vaccinations that he's used, how the cattle have been handled, the breeding of the cattle, uh, what he has used as far as uh, the genetics that he procures. I like to pass that information, as much information as I possibly can about uh, the background of the cattle and how they have been handled onto our, our buyers such as you. So that's, uh, that's what I do initially. Yeah. So I think that brings up a couple good points. If you're going to sell your calves at the sale barn, you need to plan that ahead of time. Yeah, plan ahead of time. Boy, in order, in my mind, in order to get a set of cattle videoed uh, and properly promoted, I like to have uh, at least a, a week or two lead time so that they don't spring it on us. And it makes it so much easier for us to contact buyers, you know, especially in the fall of the year. Everybody's busy. They're at sales every day. They're shipping cattle. And uh, I want to be able to call up Carolyn Rose and tell her what I'm going to have uh, next week or in two weeks. And uh, because you should not and you cannot be expected to uh, drop everything and run to me tomorrow. Uh, I, I think communication between uh, the producers and their and their market of choice is absolutely essential. One thing that I see from a buyer side, and I'm interested in your perspective of this, oftentimes I'll look at the consignment list the night before the sale, and I might decide not to go to the sale because of the limited number of cattle on a consignment, right? So if they only are listing 100 feeder calves, I would have to buy 100% of the sale to get a load or, you know, even 300. You still have to buy a third of the sale to get a load out of there. And a lot of times in the fall, when we're running seven days a week, if it looks like the consignment list is short, um, mm -hmm. we make the decision not to go. And then they'll, you know, a lot of times there'll be a thousand calves that show up. I think it makes a big difference. I know that as a buyer, it makes a big difference. And I'm sure for you, it makes a big difference when you can get those cattle on the consignment because people don't show up if they don't think there's going to be cattle there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And furthermore, you know, you look at the consignment list as the other buyers do. And if you call me, like, for example, uh, our sale here at home is on Tuesday. If you call me on Monday afternoon and say, Eric, what are you going to have tomorrow? I don't know is not the appropriate answer. That's not the answer that you're looking for. So it is absolutely essential that the producers communicate with us and let us know as far in advance as to what they're uh, what they plan on bringing in. And one buyer, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but in the sale barn, one buyer makes a big difference. One buyer can make a huge difference, yeah. especially if, if you're talking at a, about a particular class of calves. Uh, you know, you may be interested in in uh, a particular set of cattle or a particular class of cattle that uh, not very many other buyers are. Given that fact, we need to have you there. Yeah, absolutely. If someone's looking at selling in the sale barn, and there's a lot of guys who sell every year in the sale barn, and then there's some guys who've never sold in the sale barn, how far, like, how do they form that relationship with the manager of the barn or the person who's doing the marketing kind of in the barn? Is that, should they just call on the phone? How does that relationship sort of form? You know, uh, a lot of them just call us on the phone, or in my case, uh, you know, where I've been doing this for uh, many, many years, I have relationships with certain ranchers. 
uh, that I've had for a long, long time. But where I've made a lot of initial contacts, to be honest with you, is just what we're doing right now, social media. Uh, I try to put our consignment list out on social media as to what we're going to have. And like I said before, I, I try to video the cattle, get as much information uh, to the public as I possibly can. And that creates other producers. It creates interest in them. It makes them take notice of what we're doing at our market. And hopefully they, they want to check us out. Well, when I said my opening statement, I work a lot of purebred sales. Well, that's for two reasons. Number one, for the sale. And number two, that's a great place to meet a lot of ranchers. And so I make a lot of contacts through that business as well. I hope I answered the question. Absolutely. So. Yeah. The other thing um, that I really want to stress on is details. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you as a buyer, a couple scenarios where it's really got us where I just said, I can't bid on the cattle one heifers, not knowing if they are open. So a lot of those in the spring, right, where they have no idea there's not any details or those details don't come with the cattle and vaccinations where they're not sure if they've had them. How do you stress or how do you recommend a producer get all those details up to the auctioneer? So when those cattle come in, what is their role in that aspect? It's completely on them. We uh, when I make the initial visit out to the ranch, I get as many details as I can about the mineral program, the vaccination program. And I make notes uh, and I get a lot of notes on sale day uh, through just notes that I make on my own or through our consignment forms that set up on the auction block with me. And then when I'm when I have that initial visit with the producer, they make a statement like two rounds of shots. Does that mean what does that mean? Does that mean a round of eight way and around a penicillin or, or what, you know, we need to get specific here. Upper respiratory is absolutely okay. If you've given a respiratory shot, which I hope they have, what kind, what brand did you use? Uh, when was it given? Uh, did you give it once or did you give it twice? I get all the information that I can. Uh, we're very, uh, I, I don't want to say brand specific, but if they can name the brands uh, that they've used, which a lot of them can, that's always good to know. Yeah. The other thing too, is don't be afraid to stop a sale. A producer, yeah. like raise your hand and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you didn't tell the full story. If you're there, yeah. you can watch them sell. It's going to help us buy them. You bet. Well, and, and I've seen buyers stop the sale too. If I go too fast on something or, or if I've missed something uh, now, are, are they weaned or not? Have they had their vaccinations or not? I've seen, I've seen a lot of buyers do it and I'm sure you've done it as well. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Back up a step. We take their word for it, that they do everything that they say that they've done. And, and I think for the most part they have, there are, you always have your people who cut corners a little bit and maybe uh, miss a vaccination or, or maybe it goes back to they gave it, but they didn't give it properly. But the bottom line is we have to take them at their word and we expect them to do everything that they told us they did. Because I, I know that if you buy a set of cattle from me and you take them home and they fall apart on you, you're going to remember where you got them and you do not want them back. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing too that I want to talk about the details piece is don't leave it 100% up to the barn to do your mm-hmm. marketing for you. Exactly. We have people who walk up to us after the sale, they've printed out their details. A lot of times they'll say something like pink ear tags or they'll give us a little bit of a clue mm-hmm. because when you sit there all day and we all know in the fall run, it can get 10, 11, midnight want to. And you remember you're looking for this set of calves, but if they can 
you know, give you some details. But a lot of times guys will walk up at the sale at lunch and say, hey, my calves are coming in next week. Here's the details on them. That allows me, you know, probably 40 hours of driving in between Mm -hmm. that sale and the next one to make calls on it. And so while it is, you know, having a good person in the sale barn is important that helps doing the marketing. Like these are your calves. This is your Mm -hmm. paycheck. You know, don't rely 100% on someone else to advocate for you. The seller yeah. will tell you who the big buyer is or who's interested in seven weight steers. They'll help you, but you, you can do some homework yourself. You bet. And what I tell our people, you know, I'm not there to, to check in every animal that we get. And we have our, we do have our late arrivals, our gooseneck traffic that shows up on sale day. It's important that there is somebody checking those cattle in who knows what questions to ask. We take every measure we can to do that, to have knowledgeable people on our side, because uh, a lot, of, especially the smaller producers, they don't know they need help. And it takes somebody to uh, kind of point them in the right direction. Okay, have you given these vaccinations? If not, here's what we can do in the future that would make your cattle bring more money. If, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't done a good job weaning, if you have not uh, given a respiratory vaccination, you need to look into doing those things next year, because that'll help you get more money. Absolutely. You're on the phone with the auctioneer, the ringman, the sale barn, the catalog designer, the photographer, the videographer, and on top of that, you need to market your sale so you can get potential buyers in the seats. If managing all of that sounds like a lot of work, you're right. Kairos Company is your one-stop shop for all things marketing production sales. With over seven years of experience, we know just what it takes to manage the sale day, get more customers, to notice your bulls, decrease costs, and increase your average. Get your free quote by visiting our website at krosecompany.com slash production dash sale dash marketing. Talk to me a little bit about timing. So this is a pretty controversial issue, but we talk about it in the country and we say, if you can avoid shipping your cattle during International Shipping Week, the last week in October, first mm-hmm. week in November, you're probably mm-hmm. better off. And I think the same is in the sale barn, but it's a fine line because you want a sale that has a good chunk of feeder calves to get the buyers there. But when we start to sell cattle at you know midnight, 1, 2 a.m., I think that that can be an issue as well. So talk a little bit about timing and maybe just use last year. Like, When do you start to see the buyers really ready to buy feeder calves and how do they decide when to sell their calves? We start to really see the buyers get their demand for calves up usually about the middle of November because by that time a lot of the calves, not all the calves, but uh, quite a few of them, they have been weaned and even the ones who are still on the cow, they've at least had a little bit of cold weather on them. You know, everybody, especially in our part of the country, it feels like sometimes everybody wants to sell their calves in October right off the cow or, or even worse, uh, two or three weeks weaned. So I would do, I tell people, I, everybody that I can, if you're set up to do it, and I live in the real world, not everybody's set up to wean, but I think most people can probably hold their calves uh, to a little bit more of, I guess, a marketing friendly time window. What we see quite a little bit of from these people who market in October, well, they've been weaned for two weeks or they've been weaned three weeks. Well, that's worse than not doing it at all. You know, as well as I do, Carolyn, if I was to call you and and give you the choice, I've got a set of cattle uh, or a calves. You can either have them off the cow or you can have them in three weeks. You're going to tell me, no, if those are my only two choices, I want them off the cow. I kind of got off track there a little bit, but 
I think uh, I think that the closer that you can get into uh, into that mid-November Thanksgiving type area between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's ideal for our situation out there or out here. They've had some weather on their backs. A lot of them got a, a good hard, at least a 40, 45 day wean on them. And then hopefully by then uh, we've gotten a little bit of rain in California, which is absolutely crucial to our uh, our light calf market here in the Northwest. Yes. The other thing too, when we get into November and December, we got to pay attention to holidays. And I see a lot of producers who forget that. The week of Thanksgiving, you know, is a really hard week to buy cattle in the sale barn. Because even if you buy them on a Tuesday and they load that night, you're getting pretty close to the holidays. Our drivers don't want to be on the road. Our vets don't want to be, you know, pay, we got to pay attention to those dates, same around Christmas time, but it does affect the market. Oh, it absolutely does. To your point, you get within a couple of days of Thanksgiving, the buyers, uh, a lot of the sales are running a little bit shorter by then anyway. So the buyers aren't as aggressive, which is fine because, you know, being two days off holiday, it's hard to get trucks. The feedlots want to be closed. Uh, the uh, the guys don't want to receive them and you can't blame them. Timing is everything. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question that just came in. So mm-hmm. what is the timing suggestion to sell for producers in the Southeast? The best thing I could do to answer that person's question, and I'd be happy to get back to him, is to call one of my auctioneer buddies in the Southeast and pick his brain a little bit. I I assume they're talking, uh, this person who asked the question is maybe talking Alabama or Georgia or somewhere, and I'm, I'm not very familiar with that area. In fact, I'm not at all, so. Yeah, Sarah, if you want to send kind of your location, I got your name written down, and we'd be happy to get some answers for you there. Yeah have her send her her location or maybe have her pop you her email address and you can send it on to me and and it may take me a couple of days, but I will get an answer to her question. Perfect. Okay. So we talked a little bit about calves. Let's talk about coal cows. This is a place I think there is a lot of money left on the table for producers. Timing wise, when do you think is the best time to consider taking your coal cows to town? Those, uh, those holiday markets are actually a pretty good time to sell cull cows because of the fact that, uh, you know, during Thanksgiving week or during Christmas, depending on what day Christmas falls on, uh, sales are pretty limited that week. You may go for four or five days without having an auction. Guys who buy calves and, and feedlots, they get filled up every once in a while and they get to uh, a point in time where they may not want any cattle. Packing plants need cattle absolutely every day. And so... We found over the years, we've done Labor Day specials that are cull cow specials between uh, Thanksgiving and New Year, excuse me, Christmas and New Year's. A lot of times we'll open up and and uh, and have a cull cow sale. And we've always found that that generally works pretty good. Uh, the market's there. The buyers are wanting to get out of the house and go do something. So those sales have served us uh, very well. To back up a little bit, Marketing cull cows in October is about like marketing a calf in October. Nobody wants them. The world's full of them. Timing as a whole, that the whole secret to it is uh, have something available to the buyers when there's nothing else available. Do something to your cattle to make them attractive when they're really not in the mood to buy any cattle. I think that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I think cold cows, there's a huge opportunity. We see lots and lots of cattle sell in October. And mm-hmm. it's a hard time in October. One, we're already short of trucks. Two, cool cow buyers are really different. You can talk a little bit. I mean, we buy some cool cows in the country, but I buy for 10 guys at a sale. You know, that's mm-hmm. very common for me to have 10 different orders. Sure. A cool cow buyer, it's a different story. They don't normally work for 10 different people. And so talk a little bit about 
how they view a sale versus a feeder calf buyer. Something about my uh, past that I left out, I actually uh, spent a lot of time buying cull cows. I worked for JBS at one time in, in one of my former lives, and, and my primary job was buying fat cattle and cows at auction because I was in uh, I was in the upper Midwest. I was based in Iowa at that time. The main difference that I see and that, that I did myself when I was a cull cow buyer, speaking to someone on the other side of the ring, a feeder calf buyer, they look for a, a certain type of calf at a given weight that's been handled a certain way. By and large, uh, weighing condition sells cull cows, butcher cows, and bulls more than anything else. The scenario that I use, Carolyn, I don't think, and you can correct me if you disagree, and that's fine, but like, like for a calf, a light calf, I don't think a little bit of fill hurts a calf because he's been eating, he's been drinking. That means he's healthy and hopefully he'll stay that way. A cull cow, if they weren't going to make it, they weren't even going to make it to that sale. So weighing condition is absolutely essential. Uh, you don't want to fill them up too much, although I do have some customers that would rather sell weight on cull cows than they would price. There are some who prefer that uh, for whatever reason, and I try to accommodate them. But the problem when a cull cow walks into that ring that has a little bit of fill on her, it creates apprehension with those buyers. They're looking at her. And they go, okay, I, I know I need to adjust my bid here, but do I adjust it $2, $5, or $10? You know, and they're going to do that according to, to how much fill she has on her. Now, a cow in good flesh that has a good way up on her, they're going to do their best to buy her because a cow with a good weighing condition will almost never hurt you. That's what I see. It's, it's almost a polar opposite of marketing calves and yearlings. I, I'm in favor, unless weather prohibits, like say really hot weather. Of course, you, you got to put them on water, but I'm I'm in favor of if someone brings cows in the Monday afternoon prior to our Tuesday sale, uh, unless they've had a really long truck ride or something like that. I, I don't feed them. We'll water them, but we don't feed them when we pull and we pull them off of water early the next morning for uh, for optimal way up. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you kind of mentioned, you know, when you're a cool cow buyer for JBS, you buy for JBS. And so mm -hmm. when that ticket is full. I mean, yeah. that's the different thing, you know, cool cow buyers just, it feels different to me. They kind of buy for a plant or one, one person, maybe two, mm -hmm. but it's sort of like when they get filled up, that's their day. Yeah. And, that's their day. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. as feeder calf buyers, you know, we don't take tickets that are competitive, you know? So mm -hmm. if I have to buy seven weight steers, I buy them for the first customer until he gets filled up and then I can buy more, but I'm not going to bid against myself, but you know, sure. I could buy for 50 people that day if there was enough cattle and cool mm -hmm. cattle buyers are not like that. And so in October, when we're selling, I mean, like Lewistown, Montana is a sale I go to. And sometimes we get done with the feeders at 10, 11, and they start back in on the cool cows. A lot uh -huh. of the guys are full. I mean, they've oh. left. Yeah, they've left. You're yeah. exactly right. And our orders were, uh, you know, we had it when I was doing it. I, I was strictly for JBS. I was an employee, but but I bought for three different plants. And so our orders were, uh, depending on the sale that I was going to, much like yours, your situation, buy two loads of fats, buy two loads of butcher cows and make them fit this ticket. Well, like you said, when you were done, you were done. It's a very different um, situation. It, it's a, about the only thing that the two have in common is you're, you're buying cattle. It's the two entirely different scenarios there. No, I don't think I'm smart enough to buy cold cows, so I give you some some credit. I try it in the country. It's not as fun as feeding. It is not as much fun, is it? <laughs> um, less opportunity in my mind, less fun, less games I get to play. 
Ladies, this one's for you. Have you been looking for the perfect planner that will help you start on the right foot? We've created the Kettle Menu Planner for ranch women, wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking to improve their operation. Our planner is packed full of the tools that will help you learn more about ranching, working with others, and knowing yourself. Not only does it include a calendar, but it's also jam-packed full of intentional questions and thoughts and action items to move the needle forward. Grab yours today at kettlemenulive.com planner. Talk to me a little bit about why someone should consider a sale barn. So we actually had an interesting comment on this post that we made about this class. And someone said, well, no one should ever sell in the sale barn. And I actually disagree with that. I think there's a lot of opportunity in the sale barn, just like there's a lot of opportunity in the country. And the other thing too, that we have to remember about marketing cattle is it has to work for you and your family. Everyone's ranch situation is different. I mean, I know we love to say, oh, well, look what the neighbor got or look what the neighbor's doing, but it doesn't really matter what the neighbor's doing. It only works if it works for you. And so so what are some advantages if someone's never sold in the sale barn or only taking cold cows and they're considering selling, you know, their calves this year in the sale barn, what are some advantages that you can talk about that people should consider? Well, from a marketing standpoint, uh, the reason to uh, sell to sale barn is competitive bidding. Several buyers uh, looking at your cattle that are, are professionally merchandised, that we've, uh, we've promoted them, we've advertised them, uh, we've sorted them out back, we have merchandised the livestock absolutely to the best of our ability. And when they come in that ring, there's going to be multiple buyers uh, bidding on those cattle. And uh, bottom line is highest price wins. You know, somebody may offer someone a decent price uh, for their cattle out in the country, but uh, how do you know that? He was the only buyer. When they sell at a sale yard, the highest price wins. And then we, we are licensed and we're bonded. And so when, when the producer leaves there, they're going to leave with a check that they can take to the bank right away, and that check will be good. Those are the main advantages. And everybody gets hung up on commission. And I understand that. You have to be cost conscious. But down here, for example, at Emmett, we charge a 3% commission. And people get hung up on that. Well, I think given the, uh, the professional job that a market does, a commission is not a cost. It's an investment. And when somebody says 3% is too much, what they're really telling me is uh, I give them $100 and all they have to do is give me $3 of that back. They don't want to make that trade. I happen to think it's a pretty good deal for them. And then from a, so that's a marketing standpoint. And maybe I should let you talk about the buyer standpoint, but uh, I imagine in the fall of the year between you and your dad, you might have weeks where you buy 50 or 60 of cattle. Well, you got that done only having to go to maybe five or six sales instead of having to go to 50 different ranches. It saves you time and money as well. Yeah, that's one big thing that I see is you can just sit there and you can buy your cattle for the day. The other thing that's really nice is you can put cattle together that would feed well that mm-hmm. you never would have found in the country on the same day. You well, see them come in and you can fill the loads and you know they'll fit, but they, you know, they they're 200 miles apart or whatever it looks like. You never would have found them together in the country. Oh yeah. Well, and and then to your point, we have we live in a, in a little smaller area down here where a lot of our clientele they might run fifty or hundred cows, and then they have jobs in town. Well, nobody's going to 
pay top shelf price for their 25 or 50 head of calves they have to market. So the thing for them, the best thing for them to do is take them to an auction where uh, Carolyn Rose and her fellow buyers can have an opportunity to look at those cattle and put them with some other inventory that they already may have. Yeah. The other thing that I think is going to be a big issue leading forward and just in general with how the economy is going is trucks. And if I know a sale has a large number of cattle, I can call ahead of time and get trucks and just tell someone every Tuesday, every Thursday, whatever, I'm going to need, you know, X number of trucks. And I can kind of pre-plan in the country. I can't do that. And so unless I contracted them in July or August and I can plan, but if you call me today and say, I need to ship my cattle by the end of the week. I might not be able to find a truck, but in the exactly. sale barns, we can pre-plan. And that seems to really help, especially last fall, trucks were a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And it's going to get even tougher this year. But that's a great point, Carolyn. You know, they can kind of plan for you. They know that you're going to be at Montana Livestock on Friday, such and such date. And then the trucking companies maybe kind of start planning for you. You know, we need to hold four or five trucks for Carolyn because we know that she's going to be at this sale this day. Yeah. So I do think, I think that consignment form really helps because we can plan, but I do, I just think trucks are going to be more and more of an issue going forward. I believe so. I agree. One thing that I am surprised about typically is that producers don't stay to watch their calves sell. No, that's always puzzled me too. (laughs) Why would you recommend a producer stay if they normally don't? What do you think it's worth for them to stay and watch their calves sell? I think first thing, it goes back to what we were visiting about a minute ago. If we've missed something or if maybe if if we don't have any vaccination information, we can check the crowd and see if they're in the room, which you've seen us do a lot in Montana. Uh, Mr. Producer, are you here? We have no information on your cattle. Can you tell us a little bit about them? I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing, I really want those producers to see the effort that uh, that these livestock auctions go to for them. You know, it's not an easy job to uh, to merchandise cattle and, and keep the lights on in one of those places. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of determination. And I think it's really important for them to see uh, the effort that livestock auctions go to and see those buyers sitting in there at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night trying to get their jobs done when they may have to be somewhere at, uh, at 7 a.m. the next morning. Auctions aren't... Uh, they're not like Walmart. They're not, we're not open 24 seven for business. So I really appreciate it when those producers stick around and, uh, and see what they do or see what we do. And also so that we can thank them and show our appreciation to them for bringing their cattle to us. Absolutely. And I'm sure just like I hear you get complaints. One big complaint that I hear about the sale barn is, well, you allow the buyers to sort them in the ring. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about why like what that looks mm-hmm. like for me. And then I'll have you talk. But for example, sure. I have a black heifer to get, I'm sure you've noticed, but they have to be straight black. And sure. if there's a white hair on them, they can't take them. And they've been that way for forever. And so my tickets above the market and I can buy the best ones. But if they have one in the ring that has white on it, I can't even raise my hand. And so mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll stop the sale and say, you got to take that baldy out or, you know, can you check that one? There's a white tail or whatever it looks like. And as a seller, I can totally see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But the sale board knows good enough that if they take that one out, that main group of calves is going to bring more money. Going to bring and more I, money. Yeah. And I know it can be really challenging when it, those are your cattle, 
but I might be able to pay, you know, five or six cents above the market on all the straight black ones, or I won't even be in the game if that white faced one is in there. And so something to consider, but I'm interested to know how you guys approach that as a sale barn. Nothing upsets an auctioneer more than uh, I, maybe I shouldn't use the word upset because we want to accommodate our buyers as well. Uh, but we don't like to have to sort any uh, sort any in the ring unless we absolutely have to because it slows the sale down for one thing. Uh, and nobody likes to slow down the, the momentum of the sale. But to your point, there uh, of all the ways that I've found to uh, market cattle over the years as far as different programs or adding bells and whistles to them, bottom line is, if you don't have a set of buyers who feel good about what they did, you will have no repeat business. And let's face the facts are the facts. This business is getting a little more difficult all the time. There's less and less people who want to buy these cattle all the time. So you darn sure better be accommodating to them. And then if I know that, that Carolyn is going to come to my sale and she wants, you know, whatever, 600 pound heifers and they've all got to be black, well, I'm going to pull all the colored heifers off of a particular consignment and make them so that they fit your order. Cause I know that I'm, that you're going to be bidding on them to try to avoid any extra hassle in the ring. So it gets back to merchandising cattle, uh, merchandising and sorting, as you well know, it's not all about, uh, just simply sizing the cattle or sorting them for, for sex. It's about, uh, sorting to the needs of your buyers and sorting to your market and sorting to uh, where your interest lies. Yeah, Bew actually does a really great job of this. The yard man will call us and say, do you still have that ticket? Are these heifers worth more to you if they're straight black? Yeah. And if we say no, then he sorts them how, you know, how they need to be sorted. But that does help. One, it tells us there's some black heifers in, so we better get on the phone. And two, he has an honest view about whether he needs to sort ahead of time or not. And that just really helps as a buyer to be able to make those phone calls and to know what's coming and to not have to slow down the sale. Cause sometimes, I mean, we're all human. You get late at night and you've been running all week. You don't really want them to spend 10 minutes sorting. Oh, you no. kind of just want them to go on. Yeah. It's tough on the buyers. It's tough on, on the marketing staff. It's tough on the cattle. We just, you know, uh, I, I think in that respect, we're all on the same side. We just want to get it done and, and uh, get everybody, everybody get their business done. And hopefully everybody's happy at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about paying attention to the market and how you recommend that producers know what's happening. Obviously, the market, eight out of 10 years looks very similar, right? When we do a 50,000-foot view, it looks about the same. But there are some odd years. And when those years happen, we got to change our marketing plan. Do you listen to any radio shows or podcasts? Or where do you check the market that you recommend people go and kind of keep a pulse on what's happening? Most every local livestock auction puts out a weekly market report. Uh, I do a lot. I put ours out. I do a lot on social media. I pay attention to the futures market. Sometimes I think we'd be better off without that, but uh, that's a whole nother conversation. I, I pay attention to the market. I, I, I really, and you can go anywhere on and find this, uh, uh, the USDA website, uh, or I'm a big, I myself, I'm a big Corbett Wall fan. He's a good, uh, he's a very good friend of mine. A lot of people listen to him in the mornings, as do I, but he gives good insight as to what, uh, not just what calves and feeders are bringing, but uh, he takes it clear to the top uh, what's going on at the feedlot level, what the show lists look like, what the fed cattle prices are, what the box beef prices are. There's the, the most valuable asset, I think, in this business is information. And uh, I think just arm yourself with as much information as you possibly can. 
Okay, so as we start to wrap up a little bit, and we look at this year, um, so we obviously have drought, that is a Mm -hmm. new puzzle piece. For a Mm -hmm. lot of us in Montana, we're supposed to, some places are supposed to get 18 inches of snow this weekend. So I don't know, we're in for it again. But um, as we're looking up at drought and possibly having to sell people's calves earlier, we saw a little bit of that, right? Cool cows some things like that. When do the buyers start showing up in your barn? I know July is kind of a tough month. Do you think that there's going to be buyers who are starting to sit in there in August or they got to wait till September? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, a lot of it depends on the moisture situation, but I think uh, we're going to see a lot of yearlings coming earlier this year, and I think they're going to be lighter. And I think that uh, in theory, we could have uh, buyers showing up in our sales for feeders as early as June, July, because we're going to be out of them. And they can see, and you guys can see that coming. I think that we're going to continue to sell more cull cows. Unfortunately, it's, uh, I mean, the market's great, but where all these cattle going to come from uh, for the foreseeable future, two and three years down the road, we've gone through an awful lot of them. I think that we're going to see buyers show up earlier this year because there's low inventory. They got to keep those pins full somehow. I think these uh, summer video sales could just be off the hinges crazy. That's my crystal ball, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I get a little nervous with the summer video sales. I mean, we rep cattle on Northern. I get a little nervous. And if you're going to sell on the video, my major piece of advice is you have a very specific conversation with that rep about what happens if I get droughted out. If your contract reads into November and you can't hold them till end of November, that's avoided contract unless mm-hmm. you put something in there. And so make sure that if you're going to forward contract your calves and you're dry, that that conversation happens ahead of time. Don't call the week and say, we got to ship them this week. Your contract might not be good. We saw that last year and I think we're going to see it again this year, but that is a very important factor to forward contracting calves. I actually had a good customer last year say, uh, and he's been selling with me on the video for several years. He said, I'm afraid to put them on this year because I may have to sell 40 pair before it's all said and done. And I said, well, let's not put them on when when you get ready to ship, which is normally in September with him. You just bring them, uh, you, you bring them to the market and that's going to be the safest bet. I had another guy who, you know, he, he'll do his, a load of steers, a load of heifers, and then a split load. He says, what if we get down to the end and there's, and there's not enough for that split? You know, you can go one of two ways, take those to the auction as well, or in the contract, we specify that the head count may vary due to dry conditions. I think it, uh, it lets the buyer know that there, uh, uh, there may be some variation here and it keeps, uh, it keeps the marketer and the seller from getting in any trouble with the buyers because we've disclosed that information. Yeah. One thing that I, is a trend I would love to see, and I think it's just, how it has been in the past, but I hope we're moving away from that is I actually think more information, the better. It doesn't matter how you sell your calves. If you can't be completely honest with your rep, you got to find a new one. And there's a lot of them out there and a lot of them do a good job, but you should be over communicating with your rep. Don't be afraid to tell them things like I'm, I'm thinking I might have to sell some pairs because you have one bad deal in Mm -hmm. the sale barn or on the video. And what happens is next year, they just cross your name out of the catalog. They just put a big X and they're like, never buying those ones again. 
So be super open and honest with whoever you're having market your cattle. And if you don't feel like you can, you probably need to pick a different relationship. Yeah, you do. You need to, uh, it, it goes both ways. If, if I'm working with somebody who I don't think is giving me all the information, uh, maybe that's somebody I don't want to work with. And then from the standpoint of the, of the rancher who's, who's selling those calves, if his or her rep is not asking all the proper questions, they need to have a conversation with that rep or they need to maybe move on to a different rep. Over-communicate would be, it's way better than under-communicating. Yeah. So I think kind of to wrap up our conversation, what we talked about is, I think the sale barn is a great choice for marketing livestock. I think we see less and less buyers. I mean, you see it. There is no one in their 20s. I mean, I think I'm the last one. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to be 46 this fall and sometime I sometimes I feel like I'm one of the young guys. <laughs> yeah. So, we just it's a lost art that there's it just is. not a lot of young buyers coming up both mm-hmm. in the country and in the sale barn. And I think that there is opportunity. You have to do something that other producers aren't doing. And so probably being a part of the biggest sale of the year at that barn is probably not your wisest choice. If you can pick, you know, a a big sale, but not the one that's going to go at two or three in the morning um, and sell your cool cows, not in October. And I think you do those things. The end dollar amount that you're going to take home is on eight out of 10 years is going to be more money by just making those little, those little switches in your operation. Yeah, exactly. Just spread it out a little bit. Timing's everything. Make those calves appealing to as many people as you can. An October ball and calf isn't very appealing to a lot of people. They're not going to give the, the market for them, uh, nor should they really be expected to. And, and on those cold cows, uh, get them to market when the, when the world's not full of them. Just make those cattle pop and draw attention to your operation when buyers aren't in the mood to buy. They might give yours a second look. Yeah. One thing we talked about last week, and my dad was really hard to hear because of the weather. So we t- we're typing it out. But he said something that I think is like a great last piece of wisdom. Mm-hmm. In a sale barn, if you don't give us heads up, we get one phone call. And we hope that that person we call has the magic order for that set of calves. And so if you want us to work for your calves, I earn commission. I want to buy them. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I want to find a home for them because that's how I make my money. But if mm-hmm. you only give me one phone call, the chances that I call the right person, it might be someone who wants the calves, but they might not have the most money. Mm-hmm. The chances that I make the right phone call, you can do that about once a sale. And so you got to give us more time than one phone call because we can call someone. And like I said, they might want to pay $1.50. And if we could have called 10 people, we would have found $1.70. Exactly. If you give us one phone call, we better, we cross our fingers and hope that they're interested. And if they're not, as a seller, you missed out. And as a buyer, you missed out. And so give us some time to work on your cattle. Absolutely. And I contact as many producers uh, as I can in advance. A guy who traditionally sells with us, say in the middle of November, I start calling him the middle of October. You know, what's your plan this year? And I I start that dialogue right then so that we can let our buyers know in advance. It all gets back to communication uh, from that producer. And I can promise the people who I do business with, if we know that your cattle are coming, and we've had the opportunity to uh, to look at them and, and you've given us enough lead time, man, I'll burn up a phone line for you. I'm going to contact as many buyers as I possibly can. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining, Eric. I'll be sure to pass on your contact information. Um, and don't hesitate to give them a call, even if you're not 
in the area, you know, and you, you're not around here, call him up. He has connections. He knows other managers and sale barns and auctioneers. And we got one last question, then we'll wrap it up. What vaccines do you recommend for five to six weight weaned calves? By the time they, they weigh that much, you should have given uh, a round of vaccinations of branding, the uh, the respiratory, the eight weight, the um, internal parasite, and then uh, for a six weight wean calf, all the same things, including uh, external parasite control uh, back four. And that can be the the brand of your choice. I do a lot of work with uh, with Merck out here, but really it makes no difference to me what brands you use, uh, whatever your preferred vaccination is, just as long as you get the work done. Absolutely. Well, thank uh, you everyone for joining and thank you, Eric, for hopping on tonight. Um, I think this was a great conversation. Carolyn, thank you for having me on. Thank you to uh, all of your guests and uh, I appreciate your support of the livestock auctions. I really do. Well, thank you. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.